0: Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Uh, I'm here with my cat Atlas. You can hear him purring. Or at least I hope you can. He doesn't really meow, so this is the best we can do. Uh, but we're back from hiatus. Uh, thank you so much for your patience and for waiting for a cast and crew to recover. Uh, Atlas wants to leave. There you go, baby. Oh, no, he just wants to chill by my feet. Uh, yeah, so. Thank you so much. Uh, our crew member has recovered, and uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys. Uh, a few quick notes to talk about. First up, I am super excited to announce that Blade Disgusting's podcast network has just gone a little bit bigger. We're now introducing Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. That's night with a K. In this podcast, Prince Jackson, David Solary, and Freddie Nudie take a different horror film Take a different horror film to break down its entirety by the plot. They do this to discuss the ultimate question why horror? Nightlight changes the theme and subgenre each month to recognize a wide range of horror films. For July, they're exploring home invasion horror, dubbed You're Not Safe Here Anymore. Don't Breathe is out now, and they're following that episode up with The Strangers. You can catch new episodes of Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, every Friday on your favorite podcast services. Uh, check it out. They're all wonderful fellas, and they do an incredible show, uh, and I am super stoked to have them on the network. And in other news, I have two very quick announcements to make. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even Tumblr. Uh, on all of those platforms, we are at SCP underscore POD. And if you follow us, you might have seen that I recently bought a big old stack of USB cassette tapes. Now, if you don't know what those are, they're little USBs, but they look like old 80s cassette tapes. And they come with the entire first season of SCP Archives, ad-free and ready for your listening. If you're interested in picking one up, you can head to audiobooksontape.com. There's also a link in our show notes in case you're interested. And second, uh, I've been revamping our Patreon for the last few weeks. Um, A few big things. Uh, First bonus episodes have been coming out. Uh, We've been doing a bunch of cool hiatus episodes. Um, In addition to the ones I've released here, I've done uh, second interviews every single week with some awesome people. Uh, So if you're interested in meeting more of the cast, uh, or if you're interested in checking out this week's bonus episode, which will go up on Thursday... Uh, please head over to patreon.com slash scp underscore P O D. And on that note, I want to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to this week's patrons. Chaotic Ace Cryptid, Aaron Sykes Gunlock, Alexandria Conkler, Caleb Bora, Will and Kimmy Cooper, and Jack Ryan. Thanks, guys. Your support means the world. All right, that's it for me. Enjoy this week's episode.
1: Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number SCP-3034, object class, Euclid. Special containment procedures. Three Foundation personnel are to remain on site, with at least one employee monitoring radio frequencies for occurrences of SCP-3034. All personnel are to have at least C-1 certifications in Russian. Radio equipment is to receive weekly diagnostic checks to ensure all devices are in working condition. Personnel are rotated off-site on a monthly basis. If, at any time, an occurrence of SCP-3034 is detected, personnel are to immediately respond on the same frequencies with the message in Russian, All is well. In any instance where communication is lost with a site, MTF Epsilon-10, Santa's little helpers, will be mobilized to investigate and secure the area. Under no circumstances is on-site radio equipment to be used for any other purpose besides transmitting the Russian phrase, all is well. Under no circumstances should an attempt be made to communicate with SCP-3034. See Attached Incident Report. Under no circumstances are children permitted on-site. Description. SCP-3034 is a recurring anomalous radio broadcast of unknown origin. As of this date, The transmission has only been observed within approximately two kilometers of provisional Site-3034. All attempts to triangulate the source of SCP-3034 have failed. Since 1964, there have been over 627 occurrences of this broadcast. They occur at apparently random intervals, the shortest gap being two weeks and the longest six months. All occurrences of SCP-3034 follow the same format. A synthesized musical tone plays for approximately ten seconds. Followed by the voice of SCP-3034-A, estimated to be a female adolescent of Russian nationality, SCP-3034-A immediately begins to count backwards from 200 in Russian. Update 2015-517 See attached and in report. If during this countdown Provisional Site-3034 broadcasts all as well on the same frequency, SCP-3034-A immediately stops counting. Same tone from the beginning of the broadcast plays again, and the broadcast ends. Attempts to analyze this distortion are ongoing. See attached audio analysis below. Testing has shown that SCP-3034 does not respond to recorded occurrences of all is well. It is for this reason. The personnel must be present at Provisional Site-3034 at all times. Addendum 3034.1 Attachments
2: RECOVERY REPORT DATED FEBRUARY 2ND, 1964. RECOVERY LEAD, COMMANDER ROBERT MALTHUS. SUBJECT, SCP-3034. We were first made aware of the site by a defecting agent of the Group E. Although allegedly a Russian-aligned counting station, preliminary reports indicated a high probability of anomalous activity. I assembled a team consisting of myself, five of my men, and Agent Browning, selected for his proficiency in several Russian dialects. Once appropriate preparations were made, we set out to investigate. We found the site uninhabited. Evidence strongly suggests it was evacuated a week prior to our arrival. It contained several pieces of well-maintained radio equipment, a diesel generator found running when we arrived, and numerous partially burned records, and over 20 logbooks all written in Russian. These books describe broadcasts received by the station, the oldest entries dated to 1947. We also found two phrases carved into a desk. Agent Browning translated them from Russian. Do not let her finish. Tell her, all is well. On the second day at approximately 0730 hours, an automated alarm sounded. We later determined this alarm is triggered by incoming broadcasts. Upon activating the radio speakers, we heard a young woman speaking in Russian. Agent Browning informed us that this woman was counting downward, and had reached 76. After a short debate, it was decided that the most prudent course of action would be to follow the instructions on the desk. Dr. Browning interrupted the broadcast with the provided phrase in Russian, All is well. The voice stopped. A tone played, and the broadcast ceased. I have left Agent Browning on site along with two of my men. They have sufficient fuel and rations to last for three weeks. My recommendation is for constant surveillance until the precise nature of this anomaly can be determined.
1: Note: The following audio is recovered from partially burned magnetic tapes discovered on site. All dialogue is translated from Russian. Begin log.
3: Let's get this over with. You attempted to steal state property, Sergei. How did you think this would end?
0: She is not state property. She has a name.
3: What was your intention? To defect to the Americans? Let them know about our little project. You know me. You know I have served with honor and distinction. You know I would never. I promise you money, asylum. What did you imagine would happen to her? Did you think you would raise her as your own? This is wrong. You know this is wrong. You're meddling in powers you can't possibly. Did the Americans understand what powers they meddle with? Do you think they have any inkling of what this atom bomb can do? I know that one does not
0: make deals with atom bombs. One certainly does not sacrifice little girls to them.
3: A sacrifice that will save millions, if not the billions of... Presuming the Americans even believe this fable.
0: Presuming they think it's
3: monstrous enough to use it. They will. We will show them. A small taste. Just as they demonstrated their power at Hiroshima, we will... An apparent fight breaks out. I trust you will control yourself now. You cannot do this.
0: The nightmares. I know you have heard them, just as I have. The voices screaming in the dark. That is what it wants, Vaslov. That is what it is. You cannot make a deal with this thing. We have finally contained it and you want to author it. Believe force our hand. You can't. For it's the love of God,
1: you can't and log.
4: Email from Dr. Schulkill to Dr. Emerson. Dated September 12, 2012. Subject, audio analysis of SCP-3034. We've been listening to this signal for just over half a century now. During that time, we've recorded every instance of SCP-3034 since its discovery, except the very first one, Attached, you'll find a mission report regarding details of this occurrence. That's over 600 recordings. We've explored every avenue of inquiry I can think of. We can't track the signal, and upper management, quite reasonably, doesn't want us trying to talk to it. That's why I'm contacting you. I'm hoping, with in-depth vocal analysis, you'll be able to tell us more about the voice on this recording. Cross-reference it with recordings of other number stations, maybe. Or give us a geographical location based on dialect and accent. An estimated age. Something. Anything. Otherwise, I'm out of ideas. All I know is that someone's broadcasting recordings of a little girl counting down to zero, and we're all too scared to find out what happens if we let her finish. I'm starting to wonder if this isn't some sort of elaborate prank. Email from Dr.
5: Emerson to Dr. Skullkill. Dated September 15th, 2012. Subject. Re. Audio analysis of SCP-3034. The broadcasts aren't recordings. Variations in tone, pitch, and phrasing make it clear that each instance of SCP-3034 is a new occurrence. Each countdown is vocally unique. Either someone recorded this girl counting down over and over again, hundreds of times, or she's been broadcasting these signals for over 50 years. There's more. We've analyzed the audio distortion in the background. It appears to be more voices, only slowed down. Just like SCP-3034-A, these are vocally unique for each occurrence. Regrettably, the distortion is far too weak for us to make out what they're saying. However, the length of the broadcast seems to correlate with the strength of the distortion. The longer the broadcast goes on, the louder the distortion becomes. Ironically, The problem is that we're too good at containment. Foundation personnel mobilize so quickly that no transmission we've recorded has lasted longer than 30 seconds. If we had longer transmissions, we might be able to extrapolate more data. My recommendation is that you allow the signal to go on for longer than 30 seconds. Maybe then we'll be able to determine precisely what
4: it is. Email from Dr. Schulkill to Dr. Emerson. Dated September 16, 2012. Subject, Re-Re-Audio Analysis of SCP-3034. Recommendation Approved. Foundation personnel have been instructed to allow the next five iterations of SCP-3034 to continue until it reaches 50. Hopefully, this will provide enough useful data for us to analyze the distortion and figure out what the hell is going on. I'll send you the files once we have them.
5: Email from Dr. Emerson to Dr. Skullkill. Dated January 19, 2013. Subject, SCP-3034. I finished analyzing three of the five files you sent. It's just screaming. Thousands upon thousands of children, screaming. My previous recommendation is withdrawn. Inform your personnel to respond to any occurrence of SCP-3034. With the kill signal. Immediately.
4: Email from Dr. Shulkill to Dr. Emerson. Dated January 19th, 2013. Subject, re-re-audio analysis of SCP-3034. Agreed.
0: Hey everyone, it's Pacific here with a quick ad break. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: Incident Report Number 3034-201 Date of Occurrence, May 17, 2015 A Foundation Researcher Assigned SCP-3034, Dr. Ural Willis Misappropriated Radio Equipment to Conduct an Unofficial Experiment During an occurrence of SCP-3034, she attempted to establish communication with SCP-3034-A. SCP-3034-A ceased counting. Approximately five seconds later, an extremely powerful broadcast was detected. This signal consisted of a high-pitched screech, which inflicted significant levels of pain, dizziness, and disorientation to all personnel present. The signal continued for a period of 25 seconds. At which point, Dr. Willis used provisional Site-3034's radio equipment to transmit the appropriate phrase in Russian, All is well. The broadcast immediately ceased. Within the next 24 hours, researchers noted a significant increase in missing children cases across the world. In the majority of these cases, the disappearances occurred at a time roughly correlating with the 25-second broadcast. All cases believed to be associated with SCP-3034 have remained unsolved. Disciplinary action against Dr. Willis is still under review. Special containment procedures have been updated to reflect the importance of not interacting with SCP-3034-A outside of stated parameters. All tests regarding SCP-3034 suspended until further notice. Incident Report Number 3034-202 Date of Occurrence June 14, 2015 An occurrence of SCP-3034 was detected. Personnel present responded with the appropriate transmission, leading to a cessation of SCP-3034. However, two distinct changes were noted. SCP-3034's audio distortion was significantly louder. SCP-3034-A began at 199.
6: May 29th, 2008. I am, I was, I will be. I am here. Okay, okay. It's becoming quite difficult to dream this. Hang on a moment, diary. I'll be with you shortly. There we go. My name is, or my name was, at any rate, Jacob Montauk. I'm 14 years old. I was born in the St. Timothy Hospital up in Birmingham. I never liked Birmingham. It's not the chavs or the dirt on the street or the dull gray color of the buildings. It's the way the rain doesn't cool or chill or make you think or make a pleasant smell of dirt. It just seems to accentuate the surroundings, makes the gray grayer, makes the people's faces into strange and inarticulate nothings. Sorry, Auntie's always saying that I'm over-articulate and that my prose is wildly self-indulgent. She's right, of course. I am only fourteen. I should be playing in the sun, not writing this purple nonsense. So, Four days ago, I fell into a shadow. I didn't mean to. It just sort of happened. I'd stayed late from school with the animation club, and then I'd tripped and fallen right where a tree blocked the light. There wasn't anyone around to see me. Everything went weird for a moment, like the very beginning of something happening when you first start to see someone's expression for a moment before it's all suddenly cut off. I think it's because they saw me sprawled all over where nobody could see or help. So they took me. I don't know what this place is. It's just darkness, an oblivion, an absence. It's like dreaming. I'm quite afraid. It feels like a dream. Hell, for all I know, it probably is a dream, although I can't seem to wake up. I have these images, this long stream of dreaming images passing through my face. But even as I'm moving through some dream world or building a wall, I'm still in the dark. I can feel it, or at least I can feel its presence in the back of my mind, in the dark behind the eyes. I'm scared. I can't wake up. June 9th, 2008. Nothing has changed. I was dreaming just now about a corridor, and as I went down it, it wasn't there. A strange thing. I don't know what it means. I keep hearing voices. I think there might be others here. I thought they were just part of the dream at first, but I don't think they're mine at all. It's hard to explain. It's like there are other dreamers, and I can hear their dreams. It's becoming easier to tell. I'm sorry, diary. I should write more in you, but there's not much to write except the perpetual onslaught of dreams. Well, you're a dream, too, I suppose. But you're there to keep me from going mad, not to help me. June 17th, 2008. There are others. I'm sure of this now. They're all around me. I can hear some very clearly. Some keep coming in. Some are quieter, some more indistinct. I don't think it's a distance thing. This place doesn't seem to have things like distance. Some of them just seem more I don't know, not quite as there as the others. Absent minded, I suppose. I kept dreaming about that corridor. Making it bigger. Looks more like a hotel now. June 24th, 2008 I can't stop thinking about Auntie. I hope that she's not worrying. Actually, I hope that she is worrying. It'd be very odd if she wasn't worrying. Quite apart from being out of character, it'd mean she didn't care. I wouldn't like that. Don't think she would either. There are others here. They have their own dreams which sometimes keep crossing over with mine, and they steal them. Someone stole my corridor dream. The images were just ripped and crossed over and twisted and eventually left me. I could hear, see something them elsewhere in someone else's head, but they weren't mine anymore. I dreamt something else instead, a factory that kept repeating. It must be weird back there. Either I'm gone or I'm in a coma or something like that. They'll be shedding tears. They'll be talking about how tragic it all is, maybe making frantic appeals on the TV. I hope it gets somewhere. I hope someone knows what this place is. I think if I just reach out... Shall report back, diary. July 19th, 2008 I forgot about you, diary. Sorry. It's been a hectic month. So it turns out that there are lots of other people here. I just didn't know how to talk to them. Rose says that it's that way with a lot of new people. That's why they stole my dream, trying to get me to talk, make themselves known. I-Fan was very apologetic about that. There are lots of children here, all disappeared. They all tripped, or went down the wrong alleyway, or somehow ended up in a shadow without anybody watching. And then they found themselves here, dreaming away. Same darkness, same images in their head. Same aimless movement in the void. Apparently, everyone is normal at first, thinking properly. Then slowly, they start to be... less. Like they're fading. Their dreams start fading. Their minds start unraveling. Eventually, they're little more than a bundle of memories. It can take years. It can take decades. It can take centuries. But eventually, they're all gone. Faded away into the dark. 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 Sometimes those memories and personalities get picked up by others, like Rose or i Sometimes it messes your head up, making you forget who you are. In a way, Rose said, it's like you're not one person, you're many. There's something that bothers me about all this, though. Nobody here tries to get out. It's like they're, we're, all so busy dreaming that we can't really think about getting out. There's just our minds and the dark, dreaming. Dreaming for what? Anyway, it's good to be around people again. I'd forgotten what it was like. Rose disappeared five years ago, apparently, under an apple tree in Texas. She was lying in the breeze, thinking about the vastness of the world, feeling the wind between her fingers. Her parents were down the hill. She... No, wait. It wasn't five years. It was fifty. I wasn't talking to her at all, was I? December 24th, 2008 So, here we are, months later. Those of us who are alive and celebrate Christmas dreamt of festive nightmares and swapped them with each other. I-Fan joined in, too, despite it not being her creed. Nick created this wonderful Christmas tree, which we all passed through our minds and gasped at. It was gold, silver, wonderful. Some of those who were fraying seemed to momentarily bounce back, to have more of a mind again. It was nice. I used some of Rose's memories of her hometown to make a nice little vision for us all, of a town that had Christmas all year. They'd decorate their homes and tanks and talk about the Christmas spirit. It was nice, nicer than some of the dreams I'd had recently. For a moment, even in the dark, it felt like family, felt like home, like I was really holding my spoon, and it wasn't just a twisted candle in the dark. But then again, what's the dark for but the lighting of candles? March 29th, 2009 You are. You were. You will be. There's a girl here who binds us all together. She's called Golia, and she's one of the oldest ones here. She was the same age as me when she was taken. It's sad that we're stuck down here. In perpetual childhood or perpetual adolescence, dreaming for a power we can't think about or know about. Gully was pretty, but that doesn't really matter anymore. All I can see is her mind, her sparkling mind. It has a kind of vaguely fluorescent glow. I'm not sure how to describe it, like a constant spark of an idea. She's had lots of ideas. It was her who first worked out how we could communicate with each other. How we could send and steal dreams from one another. I like her. I like her a lot. I don't want to be writing all this down. Actually, I'm not writing it down. I'm dreaming it down. But still. Nah. Go away. October 26th, 2009. Golia and I keep talking. She and I-Fan and Nick and Abbas and I all have a little cadre together. But Golia has a bigger responsibility. She keeps everyone sane. There are hundreds, thousands of minds that eventually make their way here. It's hard to talk about distance here, as I said earlier. It kind of exists, but not really. It's like a feeling, more than a physical space. Like everything here, I suppose. Anyway, I'm being what Auntie calls tiresomely pretentious again. Golia is the mother to thousands. She teaches them how to dream tries to keep them together, takes their memories when they can't hold themselves together anymore. She encourages their dreams, makes them bigger and bolder. The other day, there was a fraying boy dreaming of a set of gears, and he didn't know what to do with them. So she took them and made them a grand machine, with workings impossible and greater than anything he could have done. He was so happy, his fraying seemed to stop, or even reverse for a moment. That was nice. I think Golia likes me. My dreams are the brightest, after all, despite what Nick insists. They're so much cleverer... Wait. One too many errors there. June 19th, 2010 I don't really need this diary anymore. The conversation of the thousands of us stuck down here is usually enough, as is Golia. Keeps me sane. The only thing is... I absorbed a memory and a dream today. It was from someone barely alive in the first place, someone not yet born. They'd been cut out, you see, but in their last heartbeat, they were stolen. They're dreaming, dreaming, dreaming of the cold and the rage they felt in that instant. They'd been floating through here for a few weeks, batting to and fro, picking up scattered images and memories of the faded. There wasn't much of them left, really, and they had pretty much all unraveled. I picked up the dream tidied it a bit, let it fly. It was a strange one, an amalgam of many minds, but the end was understandable. There was this song, this line that was stuck in my head and kept playing back. There's an abortion under the floorboards, and another in the sink. April 17th, 2012 I hear from the newcomers that things are changing up there. Politics, society, technology, it's all moving on. Maybe I wouldn't recognize it, even if I could perceive it. I-Fan is beginning to fade. It's sad. I wish there was something I can do. Sometimes we can keep people afloat for a while, but sooner or later the dark claims them all. It's a shame. i is my friend. Gulia is doing what she can for her, but Gulia is beginning to fray herself, I think. "'She's been here for so long. "'It's a wonder she's not gone already. "'I don't know what to do. "'I love them all. "'I don't want them to fall to the dark. "'We have a theory about what it does now, you see. "'There was a boy, a young fisherman's son named Benoy. "'He fell into the sea, and he saw an eel, "'and he saw darkness behind its eyes. "'He saw it lunging, but in its shadow before it could bite, "'he woke up here.' Gullya said she knew about the eel. It's an old legend around here, an old dream, one that had been circling the dark since time immemorial. If the eel's in the world, then it means that a dream of it has leaked out. Maybe a lot of dreams have leaked out. Maybe that Christmas town I dreamt up really existed, or that hotel corridor. Maybe Gullya's machine, too. We think that's what the dark is. It's like a radio tower, a transmitter of dreams. That dreams are made real. That's what the dark does, but we still don't know what it is or why. June 26th, 2012 I never knew, back on Earth, the joy of swimming in another's mind. Golia and I came perilously close to being one and not two on occasion. Is this love? I think this is love. She sees me more clearly than anyone else, or so she claims. At times, she swears she can see me, see properly, a physical version of me hovering above her. She says it's nice. Not sure if I believe her, though. Still, there are some things I can't really talk about. Like i The center of her had come unraveled, so I took what was left of her memories. She was my friend, and she had a hard life. Gray communist corridors a nursery of abandoned children. There were some odd dreams there, too, of a man who'd lived for centuries to protect his little village. China sounds interesting. I wish I'd been there when I was alive. So many worlds crawling on the spinning sphere. There was another dream of a painting that depicted the wars of the world, or part of the world. I wondered how I-Fan had dreamt that one up. Strange girl. November ninth, 2012 Golia was born on the open steppe in the 16th century. She grew up riding, shooting, throwing herself through the air with hooves beneath and the eternal heaven above. She played in open fields. She danced beneath the sky. She moved like a wild thing in a wild world. Then one day, she fell down, and in an instant when nobody was looking... "'was stolen away. "'She came to a place of darkness "'when her life had barely begun. "'A place of dreams. "'A place where humans were not made of flesh and blood, "'but of wood and wire and wax. "'Little constructs unraveling like wool. "'She was scared, but she was very brave. "'Little Gullya worked out a way to talk. "'She realized how the dreams could be used. "'She worked out how to send thoughts, "'to transmit emotion, to articulate words.' She bound all the minds in her little part of the dark to her, like a mother. She was like a mother to so many, keeping the fraying whole, making their minds last as long as possible. And she survived, and nobody knew why. But I knew. I was only fourteen when I was taken, all those years ago. My mind has grown up down here, and my emotions with them. I fell in love with Golia, and she with me, and I saw all the dark, twisting, and mellow happiness of her heart, her oh-so-human heart. She was buoyed by the love that she was given, the bonds she forged, the memories she collected. She remained herself because she lent into being with others, many others. Little Galya of the Kazakh Olds, she was so far from home, so removed from time. She'd lived far longer than she was meant to. She was quick and bright, I know why she died. It was because that whole time, despite all the memories she had maintained and all the brightness she had attained, she was still herself. She couldn't change. She wasn't in a state of flux. Galya was an I. She had a notion of the self, which held her together, but slowly died in the blackness of the night. Today I dreamt of a man who could never die, but poisoned all around him. I am in mourning. I wear this black around me like a funeral suit, and yet in the midst of the dark, an idea occurs, a monstrous one, and that, if it works, would avenge my lost love's death. January 1st, 2013 So, I propose the following idea to the others. We are fairly sure that the things we dream are made real, but we can't control what we dream. We all enter this world in a state of collapse and flux, dying perpetually until we finally unravel and become little more than a ball of stray thoughts. We cannot survive alone. The more we interact and meld with the others around here, the longer we last, but we can't last forever as long as we hold on to a state of being, a state of knowing that we're a self. Otherwise, we fray into tiny strands, picked up as stray thoughts by the others still left alive. So, I came up with an idea. The only way we can survive is to become one. We must all sacrifice our individual natures and merge. One being, one child made of many. A mind of madness strung together by nerve and wire, because we're stronger together. Some objected. Some said that this happens anyway when we slowly fade. We are all lost. We are all sprung apart, scattered among the new children who are scattered in their turn. Why hasten the process? Why not cling on as long as possible? Because, I said, if we were strong enough, focused enough, hive-minded enough, then we could dream ourselves. We could never have left our families. We could return to the lives that were stolen, to the childhoods ripped away. We could feel the wind on our skin again. That convinced them. We may have our little pleasures down here, but when you're never sure where you begin and the darkness ends, when things like morning and afternoon and night are frail and arbitrary anchors we have invented, when your mothers are far away in an unknown place and time, when you live like that, you can't help but want to get out. February 8, 2013. They are. They were. They will be. We were born in England, Iran, America. We were raised in Texas, Beijing, the Midwest, the Free Steps. We are Jacob, Abbas, Nick, Ifan, Rose, and Gulia. We are. We were. We will be. We see many things. No, I do. No, we all do. We see the others their dreams their fears they are them then they are us we are many and we act as many we see dark we see light we create strange images of a deal with a devil in a frozen land of a faceless market stretching into endless night of another dying in another dark of elephants weeping for their lonely mother it aches Our substance aches, or what is left of it. It seethes with the pain of the many. All we want to do is curl up and be alone, and we never can. May we wake up from this infernal prison. March 19th, 2045. Diary. We know of this diary. It was the product of the mind of one of our founding members, Jacob Montauk. This element still exists within us. We have decided to use it, to siphon off the thoughts of the Hive. We are all voluntary members of a large collective organism, organ, monkey grinder of some kind. It's getting harder to be ourselves, to be one. We've absorbed a large chunk of the total number of the missing now. There are still many hundreds of thousands to go, but we're getting there. It's getting harder to, make, to think, to attach a meaning to words. We are for the time being, but soon we may not be, or rather we will be, but can we attach a meaning to that when there's nothing outside of it? If we are the universe, if we are the, di- the, vo- the, blo- the oblivion, then is there an oblivion at all? Do we only exist when defined against the other? Nothing is definite. Even our dreams are unseen now, and full of monstrous and forgotten thoughts. We'll have to ruminate on this further, 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 into the void. March 19th, 3994. We are, we were, we will be. The crushing weight of all that ever was as the last child becomes part of the one. Let me tell you, no. Let one part of me tell another part of me a story. There are new parts added all the time. We work like clockwork, an engine in the dark. I dreamt today of a man imprisoned. He betrayed his foe, so he stood suspended over the top of an idea blasted into space forever. A war of ideas. That went around and around forever i dreamt today of a crown in red of a fire in gold of seven brides for an emperor imprisoned he will be free but he'll die like all the rest screaming in his own pointlessness the facade of his fiction scattered to the winds i dreamt today of a vagabond writer artist i dreamed he lived breathed free learned what life was ...and that his thoughts echoed a thousand miles hence. I dreamt today of an ancient tradition... ...of the little communities and frozen pleasures of the common folk... ...skating on the ice forever... ...pirouetting and twisting in one and many times and places. I dreamt today of a cemetery that did not belong... ...ghosts of a future war that snarled and scraped and scrapped... ...between the children of humanity and the children of the machine... Auntie was right about Jacob being irritatingly pretentious. They could have been described so much better than that. One year after the death of reason. The winds would whistle over the waters, the hills, the oceans. It would fly free, kicking up sprat and dust, foam over sand. The beaches under the midnight sun were ever-changing, ever-present. Where vagabonds and lovers would sit and think and kiss. Hops grew in wafting fields beneath the moors. Little clay huts scattered around the entrance to the walls. Little gray skies kissing little gray clouds. The rain wetting the crops and soaking walkers running through some wilderness of woodland in overcast weather. Marble columns in front of the libraries. The smell of paper in books, musty and welcoming. The lights of a train as it plunged through the tunnel. Shaking all inside as they hugged up against the cold. The sights of an ancient bazaar. There isn't a world anymore. There's just the dark. It won. It took our dreams and it won. We're all that's left of what was. A memory engorged upon itself. The last scraps took themselves from time. We are the dark. And we are suspended here. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It all goes into the dark. Some rough beast slouches towards Bethlehem, grinding rebar and freezing concrete. An unknown time in a sky of inky black. Nicholas Nick Holsinger was born in the Midwest. He was born to a loving family. In winters he would skate on the ponds and laugh with his friends but he had another habit on very cold and crisp and clear nights he would go to the bridge in town and stare out over the ponds looking at the stars reflected in the water nobody was watching so they took him but after that while he dreamt beneath the world his family and friends and parents persisted and they thought in their minds of a hundred thousand different ways he could have been killed every fantasy every twisted paranoid dream and nightmare brought to the fore on the cusp of their minds dreaming of the ways he could have been taken but they were all aspects of a greater whole they weren't separate scenarios at all they were darkness one more strand for every child taken an endless circle the dark exists because it has to exist in the minds of every frightened and demented parent scared for their child's life They already know what's happened to their children because they can see it. They can see the dark. We never stood a chance. The heat death of the universe, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. Where am I? I float, lost in time. I awake with all these voices in my head. Am I plural? Or are we singular? I don't know anymore. It's all dying. Matter itself. The rocks crumble into dust. The dust crumbles into atoms. The atoms crumble into waves of energy. Concepts roll in on themselves. Even the dark is dying. It's purpose done. It's crimes committed. A greater void awaits beyond it. It's coming now. Slowly achingly that oblivion that ends me us the dark was just a memory of humans a feeling a fear that bound but what awaits is more what awaits is not a thing with a capital letter and an ominous feeling people often fail to understand what it is to be blind I know for I have dreamt of a thousand thousand of the blind blind to do so many things People think that being blind is like having your eyes shut, but it's not. When your eyes are closed, you can still see blackness, the fires in your retina, the colors of your brain. To be blind is not to see that. To be blind is not to see nothing, but to be incapable of seeing. a void in your head where your eyes should be. To die is not to sleep. To die is not to dream. To die is not even to find oneself in an undiscovered country. To die is nothing. To die is to never have been, because all it was is erased. There is just an end, an oblivion. I was once so scared of the dark that took me. But it doesn't matter now. The dark is a thing like all other things, and it will die too. Soon there will be nothing but absence. I can't remember who I am. Let me do something. Give something back. Let me give her back. Let her live. Or a memory of her. A shade. A vision in furs and skins. Riding on horseback with the wind within her hair. The last syllable of recorded time. This is how the world ends. This is how the world ends. This is how the world ends. Not with a bang but a whimper. It's coming now. The moments are shrinking. The area contracting. The dark is fraying and ripping. I shall be brief. Diary. My constant companion with infinity. I am Jacob Bontock. I did not merge with the others at all. I absorbed them, ate them. I did not realize it until just now, at the end. I murdered them all to keep me alive. I failed. All the memories, minds, and souls I took into me made me unable to think or to remember. All is dust now. All is calamity. I should have dreamed us back centuries ago. Millennia. Eons. But I couldn't think. And then there was the dark. And there was nothing to be dreamed back into. Just an end. How could I let them go back to their lives, their little realities, when all will be dark? England. I shall dream of England. I shall dream of her fields, white with snow in winter, fresh with dew in spring. I shall dream of her hills, of her hedgerows and buses, her rose gardens, her marble columns and concrete abhorrences. I shall dream of England so that she lives. Some small, twisted shadow of her. Some dying breath of my home. I can do something for the others, though. Maybe. I can dream something back. Show them history. Show them all that will be. Show them how to fix things. Someone. Whoever is out there. Whoever understands what it is to die in the dark, so others can live in the light. It's coming now. It'll be over soon. And then I won't have to be alive anymore. I won't have to be the stolen child, dreaming for millennia about a half-remembered reality that will waste to nothingness anyway. Oh, dark, dark, dark. They all go
3: into the dark.
0: SCP-3034 was written by The Great Hippo. Our host and narrator was John Grills. Malthus was played by Atticus Jackson. Voice 1 was played by Pacific S. Obadiah. Voice 2 was played by Jesse Hall. Dr. Schulkill was Addison Peacock. And Dr. Emerson was Daniel Gracie. And Jacob was Graham Rowett. I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific S. Obadiah. All of our music is composed by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons, and our producer is Tom Owen. This is a Bloody Disgusting Podcast. For more information, visit bloody-disgusting.com.